You're listening to Improving Business, where personal and business finance take a front row seat. I'm Brandon. And this is Rick. And today we'll be talking about Are You Always On as a Leader? Winston Churchill wasn't. It's a pretty common thing these days to feel like you have to be anywhere and everywhere and accessible at all times. After all, we have these cool things in our pockets, phones that can access uh, the internet, and uh, we basically have no excuse. Um, I have lots of excuses. Well, yeah, (laughs) dropping it in the toilet, um, (laughs) leaving it off, um, being in a tinfoil factory, I guess. (laughs) Would that block? I don't know if that would block single. But um, basically, uh, the work culture nowadays is a lot more always on than it used to be. And that takes a toll on people um, who are today's leaders. Uh, you, Especially I, when you're in small business and you're mm-hmm. running your own business or a partner. Boy, I'll tell you, you're talking about being on all the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, and thinking about how this constant anxiety affects your coworkers is important. Uh, especially for workplace culture and how people are efficient. They're they're not as efficient when they're constantly uh, anxious. Yeah. And today we'll give you some quick pointers on how you can reverse this trend uh, using uh, Winston Churchill as an example of how to balance his life. One of the most stressed out guys, or at least one of the people with the most yeah. <laughs> reasons yeah. to be stressed out during uh, World War II, for example. Yes. Most people know Churchill for his love of cigars uh, and his witty repartee. Right? I never, I never would have thought about that. He always has a cigar. Is yeah, I know you're right. He has a big cigar. Um, he's he's a regular Groucho Marx. But um, something that a lot of people don't know about Churchill is that he actually loved to paint, and this wasn't something that he did when he was a kid. It was something he didn't discover till he was uh, forty. Wow. And he really liked the compositional challenge of landscapes and, and giving a heroic rebel in him a temporary re- repose because he's, you know, focusing on something that's so, I guess, alien to the rest of the, the you know, uh, political decisions he was making. Mm. Um, he, he kind of had the sensitivity and heightened perception of an artist uh, in that he was able to make seen not seen commonplace no matter how you know pedestrian the scene was mm-hmm. uh, that wasn't to say that he was technically very good but he had the right instincts um and i over- saw those pictures his his paintings are beautiful yeah at least but i mean not when he started out <laughs> <laughs> stick figures yeah stick figures he was drawing the stick figures for the uh the underground the, the tube right yeah the tube <laughs> uh, basically he over 48 years, he painted more, uh, around 500 pictures, and his art quickly became half passion, half philosophy. He enjoyed holding forth in speech and print on the aesthetic rewards of amateur uh, people devoting themselves to the arts. And to him, it was uh, his favorite hobby and the greatest of hobbies. He had found his other world, uh, you know, his political life. Uh, uh, versus his painting, painting being a complete respite uh, and a way for him to calm down and uh, really get his mind out of these stressful uh, situations. And so that he wasn't always on. He gave himself specific opportunities to, I don't know, unplug would be a modern metaphor for it. Yeah, well, they asked him and he went, if I weren't painting, 
I could live. I couldn't bear the strain of things. <laughs> oh my god. Please do not continue to talk like that. You sounded like droopy dog doing a impression of Churchill. That's too much. It's too much. Yeah, so where is he gonna paint? We'll paint him on the beaches. Okay. Yeah, he's gonna do a beach scene. He's gonna Damn. Anyway. Um a lot of people found out eventually at the time about his uh, love for painting, and people asked him if he was going to exhibit them, and Churchill thought that was a dumb idea. He said, they're not worth it. They're only of interest uh, in that they haven't been painted, uh, this while laughing, by a notorious character. If Crippen had painted pictures, no doubt the public would flock to see them. He was disdainful of proposals that he retire uh, and pursue his painting uh, by by responding. Uh, again, he's known for his quips. A great many people who want me to retire uh, now were never very eager eager to advance me in the first place. <laughs> but in 1951, of course, he was prime minister again, uh, compensating for the crushing electoral defeat of the conservatives in 1945. Now, see, I didn't know that in 51 that he, mm -hmm. he got it again. That's amazing. Okay. He was like he was their Grover Cleveland. Yeah, <laughs> he served another term. <laughs> they look alike, but well, uh, a little bit. Yeah, no, no, no vest. Same build. But anyway, Churchill found a tranquility in his art. His much quoted words summing up expectations of celestial bliss, the afterlife. Uh, again, uh, less punchy and uh, more philosophical. Uh, he said, when I get to heaven, I mean to spend the considerable portion of my first million years there in painting and so get to the bottom of the subject. Ah, so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's our man. There he is. So we'll be drawing on some ideas uh, from an author from the McKinsey Quarterly, the February 2016 issue. Uh, Want to be a better leader? Observe more and react less by Manish Kapra. And I thought this was a pretty cool article because, you know, you really don't see articles that talk about people and their personalities and how to manage their lives. Yeah. I mean, how many articles, how many business articles do you see on how to manage your life? A lot of self-help ones, not a lot uh, yeah. of business ones. Right. Well, uh, Mr. Capra, uh, what, what, uh, what he did is um, he meditated. You know, he, mm -hmm. he did meditation. He says, I'm just going to he says, I'm just going to talk about meditation because that's all I know. That's how I deal with it. And people could deal with different things. So, you know, when you're looking at this, let's say you are a business owner or a manager, somebody in business, you know, the first thing you must look at is the issue, the problem. You know, what is the problem? Uh, for example, uh, many leaders start early in the morning and they're on, boom. You know, they're on until they go to bed, breaking only for meals. If, if even that, I mean, a lot of people uh, who I know who work in the tech industry in San Francisco, uh -huh. they say that uh, a lot of startup uh, CEOs and things like that are, are doing a thing now that they basically drink me meals in a cup. They just drink really? smoothies because wow. it, it takes too long to like, they don't want to be distracted. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, no, we'll just put like, you know, whey protein and all this stuff in here. And it, it, it's like, it's basically like Soylent Green. Like it's the only thing that they eat. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. I've heard the same thing from comedians, even clients I have as comedians, that sometimes they're always on. And like Robin Williams, yeah. I guess, was always on. And that's not a good thing. No, no. It can be very uh, exhausting. Yeah, so from like from a comedian point of view, you're like always working, 
Yeah. And because you're a public personality. Up. Anytime anyone can see you, you're. Yeah. Yeah. Can I come to the restaurant? Like, you know, so many times here, you, you see celebrities in restaurants in Beverly Hills and in mm-hmm. downtown LA. And, you know, I imagine if, if you're a comedian, people come up to you and they want your autograph or they want you to say something funny. You yeah. Know? And I, you know, they never ask me as an accountant, you know. Well, they don't ask my autograph. And secondly, they don't ask me to say anything funny. <laughs> you try to say something funny anyway, though. That's right. Yeah. Uh, usually start with, I'll take it. Never mind. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> None of that. No more Churchill. Okay. Well, yeah, the second problem now is is that, okay, now as you go through the day, is the only break you get is sitting mindlessly in front of a TV watching the latest sporting event. And, you know, I've heard, you know, people that do this one person in particular this morning actually he had said that you know he said there he, he loves to watch Kobe Bryant play but unfortunately watching Kobe Bryant play is keeping him from playing because he's not getting exercise he's, you know, he's yeah. living vicariously through Kobe Bryant and that's not a good thing so you know that's a second problem that you know it's like what do you do in your day that's that steals from other things that can balance your life and then, you know, the most troubling thing I find from people, and I say this to people all the time, I actually just said this uh, talking to our, our uh, receptionist, is that, they're, you know, they're talking about Wednesday, hump day, things like that. And they, oh, mm-hmm. you know, Friday's here. I'm so excited. TGIF. And, yeah. And, and when I told them, I said, you know, what's so interesting when I hear when people say, oh, I'm so happy it's Friday because I, I live for the weekends, is that just they're wasting five-sevenths of their lives. Yeah. You know, that's crazy. Most of it. Yeah. And then and then a lot of the rest of it's, uh, you know, sleep. Right. Right. Yeah. Or you're exhausted. And so yeah. when you're working, as we talked about this, you know, working at a job that you don't like and have a passion for, mm-hmm. then you're wasting so much of your life. And all of a sudden you turn around, you're 40 or 50 years old. And, you know, just like, gosh, where'd my life go? Well, five sevens of it was you hated what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what we're going to talk about today is, you know, how to escape from this, how to put a little balance in your life. There's a lot of ways that people escape. Um, the cla- you know, the classic um, sort of negative one: uh, alcohol, drugs, other potential vices that are, um, you know, uh, to get that addiction fix. Yeah. Um, whether it's whether it's uh, uh, chemicals or uh, from outside your body or the kind of chemicals you create. You know, people who are exerciseaholics or people who are um, uh, adrenaline junkies or things like that who you know get addicted to their own. Uh, their own chemicals. Yeah, I knew someone who was not a professional athlete, a young mm-hmm. woman that used to exercise hard twice a day. Ugh. I know. I mean, I can remember when I used to study martial arts, how exhausted I was for an hour, an hour and a half. And, uh, you know, I started at 7 in the morning, 7 to 8, and I can't even imagine doing it all over again at lunchtime. Yeah. A lot of other people escape from uh, their working days by doing things from hunting to painting to meditation, all the hobby stuff, model design. Mm-hmm. You think of things like working on the car. Yeah, <laughs> well, not, not too many people we know, except for the well, Dodge, except for the Dodge Boys, our cousins. That's, that's true. <laughs> but I know, I know a lot of people, friends, parents who have classic cars and have been, you know, fixing that yeah. the one car up for years. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I guess that's the only car you can really work on unless you're really oh, by yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless you have a computer Without... and that whole thing that they have today, they have to plug it in, you know. Mm-hmm. And so in the article, you know, he talked about, you know, uh, he had a problem with email addiction. And oh, okay. this is so easy. You know, if you're really on all the time and you got to check your email. So Mr. Chopra, what he said was 
he had to avoid this. It was so hard for him. So uh, what he did is he conditioned himself to avoid emails uh, for the first hours of every day, which I can't even imagine. You know, being yeah. in a business myself, that day, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna check my emails till noon. You know, I don't know well, even in the article, it seems like that was uh, an adjustment period. He had to find yeah. out. Um, he had to sort of do this and tell his uh, people he was doing business with that this was the case, because. Otherwise, they would be worried and, and get angry. Yeah. So there was, it seemed like in the article, an adjustment period. Yeah. So what he did is in place of that, he engaged in meditation and exercise and writing, and he actually planned his priorities. And he put the other complex thinking things you know, uh, you know, in the front four part of his morning, his day. So as he got a little sleepier, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, he said that, you know, he could do things later on. So, uh, for example, he would do his heavy emailing post-dinner. So I don't know. He said heavy emailing in his article. So I don't know. That means he probably still did emailing. I can't see going a whole day and not doing emailing. But what I found so interesting is that he did this because he was feeling most sluggish then, less productive, so he could email. And mm-hmm. that it helped expand the quality of his emails. Uh, also, and his colleagues actually adjusted to his time frame. Mm-hmm. So they say, well, you know what? You know, he's not going to answer me till tomorrow afternoon or tomorrow night. So I'm not going to send him an email in the morning and expect an answer. Or I'm not yeah. going to expect an answer from him until tonight. And so, you know, it kind of worked, I guess. Yeah, and that was the way he sort of protected his sanity. Yeah. You know, getting a schedule. And the idea of, of at the beginning of the day, when you have the most energy and most uh, focus, doing all these complex thinking tasks and also prioritizing the day and sort of setting up um, setting up a map for yourself uh-huh. to follow when your your complex thinking skills aren't as good because I mean you you write down your own directions right uh-huh. yeah well, it's a really good it's a really good fix well what I do is that you know your mom gets up and Amber gets up early Amber has to be at school at seven o'clock. And your mom uh, leaves at a quarter to seven, drops her off, and she's at, you know, she's a drive all the way down to Irvine. So she's got a long drive. So I will get up the same time they get up. And uh, what I'll do is I will um, read the Bible. And, and that's my time to be quiet. There's nobody else around me. And even if I don't do that, I'm doing something else that's quiet. You know, so it's like it, it kind of keeps me out of the world without sitting in front of the computer, going in front of a computer and starting checking my emails. Uh, Because I do notice a difference in my personality uh, when I have to do that. You're listening to Improv Inc. Business, where personal and business finance take a front row seat. We'd like to thank our sponsor today, Rick E. Norris and Accountancy Corporation for helping support the show. And if you have any emails or questions that you want to send us, as other people have been sending them in, uh, send them to rick at improvingbusiness.com. That's improv with a hyphen, ing business.com. Welcome back. Now's the time in our show known as our tax tales, where we tell you strange and unusual taxes uh, from the past and present. Tax tales, tax tales, tax tales, tax tales, tax tales. Tax tales, a woo. And uh, this one comes from modern day England, uh, which uh, since you're talking about Churchill, I thought we would keep it on the in the, in the aisles. Uh, England has a tax on televisions. 
And interestingly enough, color TVs are taxed more than black and white TVs because uh, I guess uh, you're paying for colors. <laughs> who even has a black and white television anymore? Uh, someone who doesn't want to pay as much for TV. It's <laughs> okay. Uh, and also, interestingly, if you are blind and on a television in England, you actually pay only half of the tax. You've got to because pay. they no because they because <laughs> you're only using the sound. Oh, okay, I got it. Okay, all right. Yeah. Now, if it's if you have a black and white television and you're blind, do you pay a quarter mm-hmm. of the tax? Well, you pay whatever <laughs> half of whatever the black and white tax okay. is. But the sound's the same. The sound is always the same. <laughs> okay. Well, actually, no. If you if you have a TV that's black and white, the sound quality is probably not as good as a, a <laughs> right. color TV, a modern color TV. Yeah, everybody sounds like Milton Berle. Yep. And Jack Benny. That's because that's the only thing you can get on those old things. <laughs> that's right. Now's the time in our show known as our takeaways, where we tell you what things you should do to specifically implement what we've been talking about on the podcast today. And uh, number one, the big one, is uh, internal. It's taking stock of who you are. Yeah, and do you take pride in the number and diversity of appointments? In other words, do you show your calendar and say, boy, I got such a busy day. Look at this calendar. Look how many people I'm meeting with today. Do you take pride in that? Because if you do, it's kind of identifying who you are. And you don't want to be identified as a person that's just always on and going crazy. Yeah. It's like that. That's essentially, you know, being a workaholic, just identifying with only your job. Um, uh, the second thing to think about is, can you go Saturday and Sunday without checking your email or texting on business related issues? Mm. That's important because, uh, I mean, France uh, last year, I think, made it illegal for companies to require people to respond to emails when they're not on the clock, something mm. like that. Wow. Because this, the the problem is that you get you don't have any free time because you're always basically you're always on call uh you're always working yeah so um it's important to give yourself that buffer uh if you work uh five days a week and have two days off actually take the two days off Mm -hmm. uh and uh only respond to emergencies yeah the third thing on taking stock of your life is do you think about balance in your life you know, work, physical, social, spiritual. Is there a balance in your life? And if not, what are you going to do to fix it? The next thing to think about is finding a way to bring your creative self and your logical self together in order to innovate in your business. Uh, A lot of people uh, who are living for the weekend are doing so because their job isn't challenging both sides of them. You know, a lot of people go into work and do logical things, whether it's accounting in in your case or, um, you know, serving food. And, you know, there's a lot of mental effort towards timing all that stuff correctly and doing it right. But uh, we can often neglect our creative selves, and it's really when we get to bridge our creative selves and our logical selves that we are more fulfilled in our work. Yeah, I think I'm a better accountant. A better accountant because I'm a musician, because I mm-hmm. I play my guitar and and uh, I've composed and and do things like that, which are a lot of fun. And I think that they use that part of my brain, yeah. where uh, it actually flows over to the logical part when actually I'm doing accounting. Believe it or not. Yeah, and and also this podcast is is something is of a creative outlet for both of us. Yeah. 
So you're asking, what do you do? You know, what can you do to help these problems that you have? And there's some ideas here. Uh, the first one is, you know, structure an email reply schedule. You know, catch yourself when you're falling back in that bad habits. Like the author of that article, he changed his schedule on receiving emails and replying emails. You know, he wasn't always on with his phone trying to, re you know, trying to reply to an email. So schedule yourself. Another idea is that you don't want to be personally consumed by negative results of work events. And I know that this is uh, very easy to say but hard to do. But you have to try to sh learn how to shake off work mistakes and learn by the mistakes and not let them – not obsess over them and uh, stress out over them when it's something that you can't fix now that it's been done. And the last idea we want to give you is you know, schedule at least 15 minutes a day where you can go to a special place. Uh, it could be a room. It could be a park, a courtyard. Uh, it could be anywhere that's just – when you go there, you know this is the time for yourself to empty your mind and not dwell on the anxieties of your life. Just push it all out of the way. And some people use meditation. Some people use prayer. Some people use music. Some people use all poetry, I guess, Brandon. I guess people yeah. just read poetry. Read, um, good, read, read a good book. Yeah. And just try to push it out and give yourself a chance to live. If there's one thing that you have to take away from this podcast, it's that if you observe more and react less, uh, you'll, it'll help you work smarter and lead better. Now is the time in our show where we respond to emails from our listeners. And today we have an email from Harrison asking, I am a second-year business student. How can I set myself apart in the job market two years from now? You know, Harrison, the one thing that I, I tell people and I do, I've done strategies on people's personal careers, uh, is that uh, to set yourself apart, sometimes it just takes taking two or three of your different passions and putting them together. Uh, for example... Uh, I enjoyed uh, both accounting and business and law. So I'm a CPA and I went to law school. So those two things differentiated me. Later on in my career as a CPA, there were CPAs that were not doing strategic planning. So I started learning strategic planning about 10 years ago or so where I'm doing strategies now, which fit in really well with um, accounting, uh, at least from my point of view. And so if you're looking at differentiating yourself, try to find a way of, of, of a related uh, subject, a minor maybe, and putting it together with what you're doing in business that may set you apart in a certain industry. Thank you for joining us this week. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about the new rules of strategy. Strategic planning is a really hot thing these days. And this is Rick. And this is Brandon. Thank you for listening. Thank you. See you next Tuesday. Our music for this podcast was composed and produced by Devin S. Norris. If you like what you hear and would like to have custom music for any of your projects, contact him at devinsnorris.com.